millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Matt Lombardo Show, part of the Stacking the Box podcast. Please welcome your host, Matt Lombardo. Hello, hello, and welcome on into the Matt Lombardo Show, Fansided's latest NFL podcast inside the Stacking the Box podcast feed. My name is Matt Lombardo, and another week, another major quarterback trade that shakes up and shapes the top of the NFL draft board. And of course, the Carolina Panthers acquired Sam Darnold from the New York Jets in a blockbuster deal that sent three draft picks to the Jets and a reclamation project at quarterback and Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers. And certainly there's a lot to be said and a lot to be discussed about the impact of this trade, both on Sam Darnold and his development, what the Carolina Panthers are getting, and of course, what the Jets are getting in Zach Wilson, the number three overall pick, presumably out of BYU, their new quarterback of the future. And we're going to get into all of that throughout the course of the show. And a little bit later on, we'll chat with Dalton Reisner, a rising offensive guard in this league about the Denver Broncos the start to his career he's played a thousand snaps last year and didn't allow a sack didn't record a penalty so that's a pretty big year for Dalton Reisner and certainly a lot of intrigue around the Denver Broncos and their quarterback situation with Drew Locke and we'll touch on that with Dalton but certainly the big story across the NFL is Sam Darnold and this trade that that shapes up the top four top five picks in this draft and you know before we get into the impact on the deal for Darnold and the teams that were involved one of my first thoughts was The Atlanta Falcons are the real big winners here because they're now sitting in the number four overall pick, kind of the catbird seat of the NFL draft, and the draft really starts at number four because while it always seemed like the Jets were locked into taking a quarterback at number three, now we know that they're taking Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, which seems unlikely, but in all likelihood, Zach Wilson at the number three overall pick meaning that the top three picks are quarterbacks and you have the Atlanta Falcons sitting in a very unique situation because they're a couple of years removed from Matt Ryan leading them to a Super Bowl, leading them to a halftime lead, and then one of the greatest collapses in Super Bowl history against the New England Patriots blowing a 28-3 lead. But they also have a future Hall of Famer at wide receiver in Julio Jones. They have Calvin Ridley, a young, up-and-coming, in all likelihood, future number one wide receiver. But they have the chance sitting at number four to have their pick of all-world tight end Kyle Pitts out of Florida, who, when you watch his film, not only is he the most dominant pass catcher in this class, not only is he one of the premier tight end prospects to ever come out of the NFL draft, I'd make a case based on his physical tools, his skill set, his ability as a blocker, and the fact that you can use him as a dynamic weapon in line at the outside receiver spot or in the slot 
I'd make the case that he's the most complete tight end prospect ever come out of the NFL draft, period, full stop. And that's a great weapon that you could add to Matt Ryan's arsenal. Then you look at the wide receivers in this class, and Jamar Chase might wind up being the prototype at wide receiver out of LSU, and he's probably coming into the NFL with a ceiling that's as lofty or loftier than Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry's, and a couple other dynamic wide receivers do have come out of LSU. Then you have Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddell, both elite playmakers. So if you're the Atlanta Falcons and you're committed to Matt Ryan, you have real optionality here. You can go and add an all-pro, all-world tight end in Kyle Pitts. You can take who you believe to be the best wide receiver in a historically deep wide receiver class where, by the way, 12 wide receivers chosen in the first two rounds of last year and a majority of those wide receivers immediate high-level contributors to their teams. And this class has the chance to really replicate that. Or, if you're the Falcons, you can pick up the phone and you can start shopping around. Because there are still, even after the trades that involved the 49ers going up to number three and the Dolphins moving back to 12 and then back up to six in a deal with the Philadelphia Eagles, there are still at least a couple of quarterback needy franchises out there that might be interested in going up to number four overall so that they can target a Justin Fields or a Mac Jones or a Trey Lance or whoever the best quarterback remaining after those first three selections. It's probably going to be Fields or Lance because, you know, you talk to people around the league and it seems more and more like the 49ers are locked into Mac Jones. But if Justin Fields or Trey Lance are sitting there at number four and you're the Denver Broncos and you have the opportunity to go up from number nine to number four maybe you package the number 40 overall pick maybe you throw in a second round pick in 2022 that's a deal that if i'm the atlanta falcons i have to be giving serious consideration to because that would mean that four quarterbacks go off the board and that would mean that you're sitting at number nine five picks later and you're probably still going to have one of devonta smith jalen waddle Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase. Now, Chase and Pitts are likely gone, but if you believe that there's not much of a difference between Chase and Waddle or Smith, and you want to add a wide receiver, you want to add a pass catcher, you're still within range and you're adding two top 50 picks in addition to that player over the next two years. That's a deal that I'd have to consider. Another team to watch, and we all know how wildly and squirrely and strategic Bill Belichick can be, I don't for a second believe that the New England Patriots are married to Cam Newton beyond this year. And I would make the case that they might not even go into this year with Cam Newton as their starting quarterback as much as giving him that one-year deal and building around him and bringing in the two top tight ends available in Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry really upgraded his supporting cast. You can look at the New England Patriots as a team sitting there at 15 and with pick number 46 in their back pocket in round two that they could move up in a deal with the Atlanta Falcons. So I think the Falcons really are when this NFL draft begins at number four. And it would be unprecedented to have four quarterbacks chosen in the first four picks. But if they don't believe that Matt Ryan has much of a shelf life and they need to move on in the next couple of years and they absolutely love Justin Fields or they absolutely love Trey Lance... They can take one of those quarterbacks at number four. If they have to have Kyle Pitts at tight end and they believe that he creates an unbeatable arsenal in the NFC South, which now is filled with reclamation projects at quarterback, then they can pick him or they can pick Smith or they can pick Chase 
or they can move back and acquire draft capital to keep building around Ryan if they so choose. So the Falcons, to me, not only were the big winners of this week's trades, but I think they have the most optionality in an NFL draft that starts with their pick. So that's going to be really interesting and fascinating and intriguing to watch during NFL Draft Weekend. But before we even get there, looking back at the trade that sends Sam Darnold to the Panthers, this is really interesting in its own right. Because the Panthers now, they picked up his fifth-year option, so they have one more year of Sam Darnold after this season. And then, you know, all bets are off for the Carolina Panthers. And they better hope and they better believe that Joe Brady can fix him. And I wrote about this in the column on Wednesday. Go check it out at fansided.com. That there are NFL executives out there who believe that Sam Darnold can be a middle-of-the-road starting quarterback but could see a renaissance under Joe Brady. And you look at Joe Brady and what he did for Joe Burrow. He arrived in LSU, and he was a middle-round pick, probably a pedestrian prospect. And then he winds up being the number one overall choice. And Brady's profile rises to the point where, at age 31, there's talk of him next year potentially being a head coach somewhere. He, his name was mentioned in this year's hiring cycle. So Joe Brady's a big winner in this trade. Sam Darnold has the chance to be a winner in this trade. And if you're a fan of Sam Darnold, I don't know that he ever had a fair shake in New York, and certainly after Mike McCagnan was fired as general manager, and after Adam Gase failed to develop him over two years, that just became an untenable situation and the Jets had to move on. But if you're the Carolina Panthers, I have to scratch my head a little bit here. Because, yes, he was a former number three overall pick in the draft, but Sam Darnold's career has been less than stellar. You want to talk about turnovers? 39 interceptions, 7 fumbles lost. You're talking about a guy with 46 turnovers in 38 games. That's 1.2 turnovers per game. That's who you traded three picks to go and get. Now, he might turn out to be a guy who goes into a new place in a stable situation with plenty of weapons around him. You have Christian McCaffrey, who's a top three running back in this league. You have DJ Moore, who's a top 10 to top 15 wide receiver in this league. You have a budding star in David Moore. You have a really good defense. You have a great offensive coordinator, and you have a very good head coach in Matt Rule, who's building a winning culture and maybe even a winning situation there. Maybe that's a situation where Sam Darnold blossoms. But if you look at the Jets, Zach Wilson, you talk to people around the league and just watch the tape. Your eyes aren't going to deceive you. One of the guys that jumps off the page and the name that keeps getting mentioned in terms of comparisons is Patrick Mahomes. And I know that might be unfair to Wilson coming out of BYU and in a spread offense where you're just throwing the ball all over the yard and it's easy to make those sort of highlight real plays in that conference. But if his ceiling is Patrick Mahomes, and he turns out to be, you know, two-thirds of that type of a player, and you drop him into an offense with a franchise left tackle in Mekhi Becton. You have Corey Davis, who you signed in free agency, who I believe is one of the more underrated receivers who became available, and I think his ceiling is a lot higher based on what we saw last year in a run-based system in Tennessee with the New York Jets and with Zach Wilson at quarterback. And if Denzel Mims, Mims can stay healthy, a, a really high-ceiling receiver out of Baylor in the second round a year ago, now all of a sudden Zach Wilson's in a better situation and walks into a better, more complete, more dynamic offense than Sam Darnold ever had. So you just look at that trade from a Jets perspective, and I love what they were able to do. Because Ian Rappaport came out on the day that deal went down and reported that the Panthers were the only suitor for Sam Darnold. And opinions are split around the league. One executive will tell you that he's a guy that, you know, hasn't been able to reach his potential because of his supporting cast. 
You'll talk to an offensive coach and he'll tell you flat out that Sam Darnold stinks, bro. That, that he is what he is. Your eyes aren't deceiving you. The tape don't lie. But the Jets got something for him. They got three draft picks for him. They got two picks in the tundra for him. So they got value for Sam Darnold. So I like this trade from a Jets perspective. And 20 picks over the next two years. They have eight picks in the first two rounds over the next two years. You could really build out a winning franchise that way. So the Jets did what they needed to do. They got more than fair value for a quarterback who was never going to develop in their system. And the Panthers get a guy they think they can win with this year. So all kinds of implications for both of those franchises. There are implications for the Falcons and there are significant implications in the NFL draft. And one team that might be affected by this trade and one team that really we're going to find out how they feel about their quarterback in the coming weeks is the Denver Broncos. And I know from my time covering the New York Giants and being around Pat Shermer that he was a believer in Drew Locke coming out of Missouri. But are they as committed to Drew Locke as many think that they should be or believe that they are? We'll get some insight into that from Denver Broncos offensive guard Dalton Reisner, figure out how he elevates his game to the next level and what's next for him and how the Broncos go from young rebuilding team to competitive and potentially even playoff team on the other side. This is the Matt Lombardo Show podcast inside fan-sided's Stacking the Box podcast feed. Keep it right here. Coming up on the other side, it is Denver Broncos offensive guard Dalton Reisner. Welcome back into the Matt Lombardo Show and joining us as promised, Denver Broncos guard Dalton Reisner. Dalton, thanks for taking a few minutes today. Hey, you're welcome, man. Anything for the Broncos, man. I love getting on here. No problem at all. I'll always enjoy talking football with you and getting a sense of what's going on inside the league. And for you, last season, you played 999 snaps, 612 were in pass protection, and you didn't allow a sack. That's one year after allowing just three sacks. So first of all, how are you so consistent? That's pretty incredible. And what clicked for you last year that you could go through a whole year without giving up a sack? Yeah, well, I really appreciate that, man. It's it's so tough, man. This game of football in today's world with technology and everything that goes down, you know, a lot of things are surpassed, especially when you go 5-11. and 11. I'm really confident and really glad with the season that I had last year. I'm proud of it. I have a lot to work on. I've broken down every game from last year already. Uh, my third year is going to be a bigger year, man. I hope to have no penalties and no sacks again, but I hope to you know, I hope to dominate even more than the year before. So I think it's all about just being a competitor. I want to be a Bronco. I want to be a great player in this league. I want to get my team to the playoffs. You know, if I have to give up, you know, two sacks and two penalties next year, but we go to the playoffs, I mean, shoot, I'd rather do that. You know what I mean? It's not about the individual accolades. Of course, it's something to hang my hat on, of course. But, man, I just want to be a successful Denver Bronco team. That's my main goal. And, you know, you guys are pretty young overall up front, but you've grown up pretty quickly, especially you, and you made big strides going into last season. You know, why do you think you guys have been able to gel so well up front? And, you know, how much better can you be the next couple of years? I, I, you, you now that right on the dot, you know, being able to gel as an offensive line is the most important thing. You know, me, Garrett Bowles, Lloyd Cushenberry, Graham Glasgow, Juwan James. Um, you know, we're already out here in Denver working out, making sure that we link up with each other as much as we can and start to build that camaraderie back again, because that's the biggest part of being a successful offensive line is working together on every single level. Lloyd grew a ton last year. Garrett had a breakout year. 
Graham Glasgow is a new addition. He's a heck of a player. Juwan James hasn't really got to play for the Broncos, so he gets to come in and prove what he's about. So I'm very confident in the top five guys, the, the offensive linemen that we have. I think we can be very successful. And there's a lot of guys behind us that are pushing us to be better each and every day that work their tails off as well. So um, as long as we continue to bond together, gel together more and more, we're going to continue to get better in my mind. You brought up Garrett Bowles. How much have you seen him really develop and take that next step since you got there? And how much does he help you personally? Yeah, you know, I love Garrett. I love Garrett. You know, every guy has their things that they're good at and then some things that they need help with. And I think man, me and Garrett just realize, you know, what we need to help each other with. We realize each other's strengths. We realize each other's weaknesses. And I think that we do a good job of making sure we understand that out in a football game. You know, I think Mike Munchak's to credit a lot. He's a gold jacket player, probably going to be a gold jacket coach. And he just, he simplifies the game for us. He breaks it down. He teaches us technique that we know works. And, you know, Garrett is a guy that, you know, works really well with Coach Munchak. Coach Munchak has been a great coach for Garrett. Garrett had, I think, two or three coaches before that, just at the Broncos, before Coach Munchak. And I think that, you know, I hope Coach Munchak is here to stay because the, the credit to the offensive line and how we've grown, like you mentioned, and how Garrett has grown and how I've grown, that's all the Coach Munchak, man, and Coach Cooper and Coach Riscotti, the whole, the whole offensive line coaching staff. What makes Mike Munchak such a good coach? Because, I mean, he's had success. You brought it up as a player, Hall of Famer there, probably going to be a Hall of Fame coach. What's, what are some things that maybe he's, he's imparted on you, whether it's work ethic-wise or technique-wise up front that you've been able to implement? Well, one, you know, he's going to demand hard work ethic. And one thing with Coach Munchak is he's just going to expect that. You know, he's not going to toy around with it and talk to you about it. That's just something that you're expected to do as a Denver Broncos offensive lineman. It has a tremendous work ethic, be a selfless football player. Um, those are really important things. But with Coach Munchak, he's played the game, man. He's yeah. got, like I said, he's got a gold jacket at the position. How can you not listen to a guy that's done that? It's almost like anything he says, you don't want to say that you feel like you should do something different because this guy did it all. He, he played in the league for a long time. He got a, he's in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he did it. So I think it's just so easy for us to listen to him. It's so easy for him to visualize what's going out there on the field. It's so easy for him to say, man, I can easily see how that happened or how this call was made or what the defense was doing. It's so nice to have a coach that understands it like we do because a lot of coaches will, you know, never play professional ball. And they might be great coaches, don't get me wrong, but, you know, it's, it's one thing it to It carries look. more weight when you hear yeah. it from a Hall of Famer in your meeting yeah. room, right? Yeah, and it's one thing to look at film and, and be like, okay, you should do this. But what's great about him is he understands the chaos. He understands how hard it is on the field. It might be easy to talk about in practice and talk about on film and on TV, but until you're out there in the front lines and you deal with what goes on out there, you don't know. But he does, so that's been, that's been really beneficial. And you guys are so young overall on offense. I mean, you think about the line, you think about you, you think about it at the skill positions, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler. Drew Locke is a little bit of a wild card, but he's a young guy as well. What happens at quarterback for you guys moving forward? Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, I hope it's Drew. I'll, I'll shoot you straight, man. I hope it's a Drew Locke. I got a lot of faith in Drew Locke. And, you know, man, one thing that we don't think about, Matt, is you look at some of these great quarterbacks and how much it took them to develop. They didn't just become a great quarterback. I sat down with Peyton Manning a couple weeks ago. We talked about how rough his first few seasons were. Look at Patrick Mahomes. He sat the bench for a year. I mean, there's a lot of guys that become elite quarterbacks. It takes them a year or two in the league. The league's different. I can tell you right now, my job is hard as hell, and I, I wouldn't, wouldn't trade my job to be a quarterback in the NFL for a day. I want to do it. 
because they have the, the hardest job in the league, one of the hardest jobs in the world to perform in front of everybody. And if anything goes wrong, they're the easy scapegoat. It's Drew Locke's fault, you know? So I can only imagine the pressure. They always get all the credit and all the blame. It's just yeah, the way exactly. it works, right? To me, I don't get any credit. I don't get, I'm, I get some blame sometimes unless I don't give up a sack, right? But man, Drew's my quarterback. I got a lot of faith in him. I think he's a competitor. I think that last year was the first full year he played. You can treat that as like one of Peyton Manning's first years or the year Patrick Mahomes sat on the bench, whatever. It was a learning year for Drew. So obviously we know this is a huge year. We need to have a better season than 5-11. and 11. And man, you know, I need to record this interview and save it in your files because I sure hope here in six months you're like, dude, you were right. Because um, that's what I'm banking on, man. We'll play the sound the the sound clip back and put it on Twitter and all that. And then, you yeah. know, we'll replay. Instead of a cold take exposed, maybe it'll be a hot take exposed at that point, right? Like but, it. You know, you brought up Peyton Manning and the fact that he's still around and the fact that he's a resource for you, what is that like? Because, I mean, you're talking about one of the two or three best quarterbacks to play the game. And, you know, it sounds like he's the type of guy that you can just go have a beer with and talk ball or pick up the phone and he's going to gonna answer Dalton Reisner's call and, and talk football with you. Yeah, man. You know, I try not to bug him. You know, the, I call him the sheriff. You know, I grew up watching that guy, Omaha, Omaha. I look up to him so much, man. Me being have the opportunity just to sit down with him, take an hour out of that guy's life uh, to shake hands and just talk about football and talk about who I am and, and ask him questions was just such a blessing, man. So one, I want to say he's everything you want in a role model and as an NFL football player, everything that I want to be. Um, someone that may be a great player, but also takes time for other people has a good heart and is good to others and wants to help other guys. What a great alumni of, of the Broncos, man. You know, what a great guy to say, hey, he played here and won a Super Bowl. Um, it's just tremendous, man. He's an amazing dude and he's an amazing guy to be able to ask questions about ball. And he's a big fan of Drew Locke. Him and Drew have been doing a lot of work this offseason and watching films. So um, if he if he's on board with Drew, I'm, I've been on board with Drew too. So it's pretty fun. Yeah, I can imagine how valuable it is as a quarterback like Drew sitting in and breaking down quarterback film with Peyton Manning. That, yeah. That's got to be a whole lot different even than studying on your own or with a coach. But, you know, just getting back to the battles in the trenches and you've been, been through your fair share of them and you've certainly been through your fair share of them in practice. You have Von Miller across the line of scrimmage, Bradley Chubb. I know you play at the interior spot, but how much is going up against guys like that or seeing them hone their craft every day help you and make you a better player? Oh, man, I've gotten into it with all those guys. Derek Wolf, Vaughn Miller, Bradley Chubb, Shelby Harris, Mike Purcell, you name it. I've gotten in this scrap with each and every one of them. You know, we don't like each other during the month of August. <laughs> We're all trying to earn our spots and earn our reputation and respect. And Those one-on-one -on -one battles got to be crazy. Oh, they're crazy, man. You know, we get the best of each other every now and then. You know, it can't, can't win every battle that you have. But it's always great to go against Vaughn and Chubb, man, and those interior guys. It's, it's awesome. Uh, I grew up watching the guys. Um, they're extremely great football players. Bradley Chubb got all pro. So what a great opportunity for me um, to have the opportunity to go against those guys. But like you said, it's a scrap, man. We get in there and get scrappy. I'm sure this August we're going to be doing it again. And um, it's just awesome to have those guys on my team. Let's take those two off the shelf for a second, because, I mean, Bradley Chubb, an elite pass rusher, Von Miller is going into the Hall of Fame one day. But, you know, in your time in the league, who's the best interior defensive lineman that you've lined up against? Who gave you the, the biggest fits? Yeah, I mean, I've went against a lot of great defensive linemen, I feel like. Grady Jarrett from the Atlanta Falcons is an extremely good football player. He's not as stout on the run, but when you got him in one-on-one -on -one pass pro, he's deadly. Um, Chris Jones is kind of a dynamic. He can run block and he can, you know, he can, he can do good in that scheme and he can also pass, uh, rush the passer, man. He does a great job. So Chris Jones is also huge. Um, I go against him two times a year. That'd be my second guy. And then honestly, Jarrell Casey, when he played for the Titans my rookie year, 
Um, he was a handful, man. Um, he was a very good football player. It's kind of bum we let him go, but those would probably be some of the three. I've had the opportunity to go against Fletcher Cox for the Eagles or Aaron Donald for the Rams, but I have an opportunity against Fletcher Cox this season. Sure. Fun. Yeah, and you, you brought up Chris Jones, and he's a guy that you hear likes to talk a lot of trash. And, like, you know, after they won the Super Bowl, I was in that locker room, and, and he was fired up. You know, what's he like going up against one-on-one in a game? Is he a guy that talks a lot? Is he a guy that just kind of, like, goes about his business? What, what are those battles like against Chris Jones? Yeah, he definitely doesn't go about his business, man. Chris Jones, uh, he, he talks a lot of trash, and I'm not the type to take that. So I talk a lot of trash back to him. We are not friends. Um, by any means of the imagination, man. So I won't even get into all the details, but a great football player, a lot of respect for the guy, but he, he can't shut his mouth on the field, which, hey, everyone's different, man. I, sometimes people tell me I can't shut mine, so I'm okay with that. Whatever helps get the best out of you, right? And, yeah. you know, was there a moment for you early on in your career or whether it was against a marquee opponent like Chris Jones or Grady Jarrett and, you know, or a game where you stepped back and you said, okay, not only do I belong here, but – I belong in the starting lineup and I can play in the NFL at a really high level. Was there a game or a moment where that kind of clicked for you? I feel like a couple moments, man, you know, like one in camp, just going against my own guys. Some of some of these great defensive linemen that you and I already mentioned, I proved to myself, like I, I can play in this league. And those guys gave me the confidence. They said, you can do this. And, you know, I went against Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks with the Chicago bears in the first game that I played them. And, uh, my rookie year, the second game of the year. And man, I felt like I, I did a great job that game, had a few errors here and there, but I felt like, man, I can play in this league. And then I just felt like every game as I continue to play, it gives me more and more confidence. And of course you get nervous and anxious and the name on the back of guys' jerseys sometimes can get to you because man, they're, they're big in the social media world and people are high on them. But at the end of the day, we're all humans, man. We're all humans out here trying to play the game of football. And um, I definitely do belong in this league. I think I can get a lot better. I want to be one of the marquee guards, you know, here in a couple of years that people want to, you know, they want to mold after their guards after. I want to be that guy, man. So I'm hungry for it. I want to be an all pro guy. I want to be pro bowl, the whole deal, man. Um, but most importantly, get to the playoffs. And then I feel like once you do that, that stuff kind of comes after. Yeah, you've certainly set the foundation and now the team success, you know, once that starts to, you know, get rolling for you guys, obviously Dalton Reisner is going to become more of a household name. Um, But last year was certainly a season unlike any other. And for you, you know, your most dominant season yet. But what was the biggest challenge going through and playing through the pandemic? Oh, man, it was tough. Just, you know, the teams are built on camaraderie and a lot of teams had this issue. So it's not like it was just an issue for the Broncos, but you know, being able to have O-line dinners, being able to be in a team meeting with the guys or heck an offensive meeting, or even more than that, an offensive line meeting would have been great. You know, we're doing everything through zoom and we show up and practice and, you know, the showers can't even shower there. So you pretty much practice and go home. Uh, It was just tough, man. It just kind of took away a lot of the fun of the game. It took away a lot of the camaraderie of the game, you know, couldn't even play with the fans. Um, We just want all that back. I want to be in meetings with my boys I want to be grinding with them, bleeding, sweating with them every single day, long hours of camp. You know, we need all that. That builds us as a team, even though it may not be fun. So I hope everything's back to normal this year, man. Um, it, would, it would sure make our job a lot more fun. And the city of Denver would definitely have a lot more fun as well. How did you make up for that camaraderie? Because, you know, we touched on it earlier, but especially on the offensive line, that cohesion is really kind of the most important aspect of the game right and playing together and knowing you know everything about the guy next to you and his tendencies and all that how did you make up for some of that camaraderie when like you said you can't go out to dinner and you can't go play cards or watch the Thursday (laughs) night game at a a teammate's house like how how did all that go down for you guys 
Yeah, man. I mean, you know how important it is. So when we show up to practice, you know, we work together every single play, you know, we make sure we're getting around each other before and after practice and staying in a group chat. And, you know, the rules are tough and the pandemic was hard. We didn't want to affect everyone. So we weren't, we weren't going out and secretly meeting. We didn't do any of that. It was really just, Hey, when we're at the complex, let's focus on being as tight as we can and make sure we catch up with each other and push each other and challenge each other and lead each other and, and zoom meetings, make sure that we don't have our cameras off, make sure we're all attentive and asking each other questions and um man i think that was a huge part to it i think we could have done better um at times but i feel like everyone struggled with it across the league man so we just got to continue to build off that and if we get to be with each other this next year we really got to capitalize on being able to do so yeah just as a funny aside for the listeners you obviously took the putting the camera on to heart because you know we said ahead of time hey it's just audio for the podcast and i get on and dalton's like hey matt i can't see you let's turn on your video and and here we are so it's been a lot more fun this way but obviously the coaches drilled into you hey we got to see you and you know talking you know i covered the giants last year and you know joe judge is always saying one of the things that him and his staff focused on was being able to look in the guy's eyes and make sure they're paying attention so clearly that stuck with you guys, you know? <laughs> yeah, man. No, definitely. I just think when you're having a conversation, I think it's so important to to have eye contact. And uh, sometimes the, the audio can get mixed up if you can't see someone's emotions and facial, you know, expressions, stuff like that. So I definitely prefer it that way, man. I'm used to it. Absolutely. Hey, what's what are you dreading most about a 17 game season? Because, you know, obviously the player safety is a big factor in that, but you're adding a whole extra game and something like probably 65 snaps to to your workload. Yeah, man. I mean, I think that, you know, what a great opportunity to play another game. I'm so blessed to play this. I don't, I'm going to be real honest. I don't follow all that too much. I'm not even sure if we get paid for it. I don't think we do. I think our salary stays the same. So for how much we grind and how hard that those games are on our body, I mean, I'm 25 years old and I I know how much my body hurts sometimes, (laughs) Um, you know, 17 games, man. Hey, you know, it's cool that we don't only have to play 16. It's another opportunity to get another win. And we might be sitting after 16 games and really need that 17th game to make the playoffs. So I'm not going to say anything too soon, but um, it, it's tough. I wish we were paid for it, man, but Hey, it is what it is. I'm literally just a kid from Wiggins, Colorado out here living my dream. So, you know, they, they tell me what to do. I do it. I'm thankful to be doing so. Have you changed your off season preparation or your training at all, knowing that there's that extra game waiting for you this year? Uh, man, I work my tail off all the time. You know, I can Absolutely. stand up and, show you my body and you might be like, well, dude, your biceps, you know, they're not, they're not that big. Man. You're, not a, you're not a phenom. You're not seven foot, six foot, eight, whatever. Cause I'm not, man. I feel like just something I pride myself in that is just being a hard worker coming from a town of 800 people and um, getting told I couldn't do this my whole life. Like I'm in the opportunity of a lifetime. I'm going to work my tail off every day. Um, of course I'll take weekends off to enjoy myself. And a huge thing I had to remember from my first off season is that, you know, you got to take time off. You got to get your mind away from the game so that you, when you come back, you're fully invested in everything you do. So I made sure to do that early on. But, man, I'm, I'm working my tail off as if, you know, I'm going into playing NFL season, 16, 17 games. It, it doesn't matter. I'm going into work every single day, making sure I'm ready to roll, brother. Peter King, and I've seen a couple other folks suggest that maybe along, especially the offensive line and defensive lines, that some teams and some coaches might rotate guys in and out throughout the year to keep them fresh and keep them healthy. If you're asked to do something like that, is that something that you're signing up for, or, or does that really no. impact your your momentum and being in the groove of a game? You better not take me out of the game, bro. Unless we're, <laughs> up, unless we're up and it's a for sure win and they want to give me rest, that's fine, but I'm not, I take too much pride in my position. I've worked too hard to earn this job. I'm not it sounds crazy, man, but this is the truth behind the game of football. Like, 
we're all a team, but like, that's my position. I'm, I'm fighting for that position every single day. I'm trying to take care of my family and myself for the rest of my life and play the game that I love. So it sounds silly. You might think I'm a little bit crazy, but no man, no, I don't want any other man playing left guard. Like that's my job. That's my position. I'm trying to hold it down, man. So definitely not unless Munchak says, Hey, we're up by 20, uh, take the you know last drive off, put someone else in. I'll do it, but I'll do it reluctantly. So tell me about the uh, Dalton Reisner golf classic. Uh, I, I saw that that, you know, got off the ground last year. How, how'd that go? Yeah, it was two years ago, man. It was going awesome. It was actually right when I was drafted and, um, you know, I told the Denver media about it and it kind of blew up. It used to be just kind of some hillbilly golf that we played down in Wiggins, but now it's something that a lot of people want to go to. So we skipped out last year because of COVID. And this year I talked to my father and he doesn't know if we're going to be able to do it, but hopefully we can, man. We're trying to turn it into a, a, a you know, a fundraiser for my nonprofit Rise and Rep Foundation. Um, it's continuing to grow each and every year. So hopefully we get the opportunity to do it, man. But for those of you that are watching this that don't know, I'm from Wiggins, Colorado, town of 800 people, country town. And uh, what we did is we go out in the pasture and we would mow nine circles out in our 100 acres, put a T-post in the middle, spray, point, spray paint three rings around each T-post for if you get closer, it's more points, farther away, not as much. And it's a play it where it lands type of game. Say the first one is a par, three. So you got to have three shots to get into one of the circles. If you hit one that lands in a cow pie, you got to hit it where it lands. Oh. If it lands in a tumbleweed, if it lands in sagebrush, you got to hit it where it lands. So that's why we call it hillbilly golf, man. Um, people are drinking beers, having a heck of a time. It's a, it's how we, it's how we get down out there in Wiggins, man. Well, when the next one's up and running, I'm on a plane and I'm going to try to avoid the the cow pies. I'm going to try to avoid those. I can't promise avoiding the tumbleweeds, but I'll try to avoid the cow pies. You better wear your cowboy boots, man. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to buy some when I get there. That's the deal. <laughs> so, so the the Rise and Rep Foundation. Tell me, tell me about it. What are you guys, you know, working towards? And and, and you know, how do you manage running that with with playing football? Yeah, well, you know, one thing I always have to remember is that. You know, everything's possible that I'm doing through the game of football. Um, I, I truly believe I'm not down here to play football. I'm down here to be a disciple of Jesus. I'm a man of faith, and um, my faith is everything to me. That's why I'm down here on earth. And I realize that being able to play in the NFL gives me a platform to be a bigger disciple of Jesus Christ and be able to make impacts in people's lives. And I created a nonprofit foundation that simply put uh, to give back to other people, put a smile on people's faces. You know, First Peter 4.10 is one of the verses on my website, and it's, each and every one of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So like you might be doing a, a broadcast or a radio, and I don't know if you're a man of faith, but anyways, if you were, you sure. might be doing that to, to spread Jesus's word and maybe ask people about Jesus. And some people ask you, you know, for me, I feel like my gift was football. I didn't work hard to be six foot five, 300 pounds. Uh, that was given to me. So I'm using that saying, hey, this must be what he wants me to do. So let me use this platform, not talk about some gold chain, not talk about some big house. Let me talk about Jesus Christ. Let me be a role model to other people because that's why I'm down here. In 10 years, you know, if you were to be telling your kid or your grandkid about Dalton Reisner, you know, it'd be cool if you said something about a good football player, but it'd be even cooler if you said, man, that, that's a good guy. If you want to look up to someone, you should look up to Dalton Reisner or you first, Dalton Reisner second, his dad first probably, but me second. You know, that's what I'm after, man. That's what, you know, that's why Dalton Reisner lives down here. That's my identity. Football's going to end someday. I love the sport so much, um, but it's going to end and no one's going to care about who I am. They're not going to want my autograph. I'm going to be a big guy in a wheelchair eating hot Cheetos, man. So I got to have some sort of identity, you know? 
good for you, man. And I always love hearing guys who use their platform for a greater good. And you certainly have, you know, made a a passion out of that part of your career. And I think it's really commendable. And, you know, just getting back to football real quick before I let you go. And I really appreciate you taking the time. You know, we talked about the no sacks and the no penalties this year. We talked about you getting better. How does Dalton Reisner elevate his game to a higher level? And what does that look like? Keeping the pressures down. You know, I had, I had several pressures last year. Um, I don't want Drew to be any under any pressure. Me and Garrett got to do a better job of picking off twists, uh, washing those twists down. There's been several twists that we don't pick up clean, and the guy hits Drew late. Uh, I don't like that. That needs to be cleaned up. I want to finish guys in the ground better. You know, I, I pull a ton. The Denver Broncos pull me a lot. Instead of just hitting a guy and opening up a lane, I want to bury that guy in the ground. Um, I want my career to take off, man. I'm going to, I'm the type of guy, I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to continue to work and work and work, but I want my career to take off. That's how I get better. You got to finish guys. You can't have pressures. You can't just say, Hey, no penalties, no sacks. You know, even though I would like to look back and see how many guys that were offensive linemen had no penalties. I take a lot of pride in that because I think it's very much about focus and discipline. And I have that in every game. Um, but man, like just be a better player, man, you know, go out there and help your team get to the playoffs and get some accolades, all pro pro bowl, something. I'm so competitive, man. I'm so competitive. You might look at my last two years and say, Hey, hell of a start to your career. Um, but for me, man, it's like, man, I haven't gotten one award. We haven't made the playoffs once. Um, we got a lot of work to do. So just continuing to focus on what I can do better. Listen to what Mo- coach Munchak tells me to do. My man. Well, you have the the technique, you have the skill set, you have the coaching. I think the sky's the limit for you as an interior offensive lineman, and I'm excited to watch it unfold. And Dalton, this has been terrific. It's been a fantastic conversation. Really appreciate the time. And everybody should follow Dalton Reisner on Twitter, at Dalton underscore Reisner 66. Dalton, appreciate the time, my man, and best of luck this offseason and in 2021. Thank you so much, man. God bless you guys, and go Broncos. You got it, brother. Really great stuff there from Dalton Reisner. And you watch his game and you just look at the numbers and he really feels like a player who's on the cusp of being an all pro, of going to multiple pro bowls. And, you know, just how young that offensive line is with Graham Glasgow at the other guard spot. And they're in front of Locke. And they have a skill set that includes a guy like Jerry Judy, a guy like KJ Hamler, speed on top of speed at the outside receiver spots in an offense that's built around running the football. So, you know, it's really kind of a shame that they play in the AFC West and they have to butt up against Kansas City every year. But, you know, the more that offensive line continues to grow and whether Drew locks the guy and he takes that Josh Allen type of leap or if they go out and they drafted Justin Fields or a Trey Lance and they get a franchise quarterback with who they believe has a higher ceiling than Locke, that's a team that could be a lot of fun not only to watch, but to grow. And there's another quarterback who's going to be available, and we're going to touch on that on the other side of some teams that might be interested and who I think could be an ideal landing spot. So keep it right here on the Matt Lombardo Show inside fan-sided Stacking the Box podcast feed. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com.
Welcome back into the Matt Lombardo Show, and Drew Locke is one of those quarterbacks where it's really interesting when you look at his profile because he's a first-round pick in 2019, throws for 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns, and three picks. Last year, he walks in as the starting quarterback and tosses 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, 2,933 yards. And like we touched on a little bit earlier, the Broncos are in that sweet spot where they're picking in the top 10. They have the opportunity to potentially trade up and go get one of the top quarterbacks available, or they can add a dynamic player along with Judy, along with Hamler, drop him into that offense and hope that Drew Locke figures that out in year three. Now, it's going to be real interesting to see what happens there, but there's another quarterback who I think could be and will likely be the next quarterback moved, and that's Jimmy Garoppolo. And you look at the 49ers, and a couple of weeks ago, they went all in on moving up to the number three overall pick. They seem, by all indications, to be all in on Mac Jones out of Alabama. And, you know, you talk to people around the league, some people believe that Mac Jones is a third-round pick. Some teams have Mac Jones as one of the five best quarterbacks, one of the five best overall prospects in the class. So you look at the 49ers, they're going to have Mac Jones or Trey Lance or Justin Fields as their quarterback and Jimmy Garoppolo sitting there. So I think Garoppolo is going to get moved. I don't know that there's a team that would trade a first round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo, but that seems to be the asking price that's been reported a few places. But two teams really jump out they could go and get Garoppolo. And one is New England. And it's very possible that Bill Belichick doesn't love any of the quarterbacks in this class, doesn't want to give up multiple picks this year and next year to go and get the best available quarterbacks. Maybe he looks at Garoppolo, a guy who's been through the Patriot way, who has gone to a Super Bowl and was about nine minutes away from winning a Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs two years ago, who it's obvious that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan can't wait to move on from, maybe they throw the 49ers the 15th overall pick. Maybe they throw two second-round picks over the next two years to the San Francisco 49ers. But there's a third team, the Denver Broncos being in that mix, certainly the New England Patriots being involved. But if they can make the money work, and that's kind of a Herculean task, but as we've seen throughout the NFL this offseason in free agency, the salary cap can be a little bit of a mirage. It can be manipulated. I'd watch the New Orleans Saints as a potential landing spot for Jimmy Garoppolo because they're a team that's now in transition, much like much of the NFC South outside of the Atlanta Falcons with Matt Ryan if he's the quarterback. But you look at them a year ago, and now with Drew Brees retiring, are they really committed to Jameis Winston, a former number one overall pick, averages 4,000 yards, 24 touchdowns, and 17 interceptions a season? They were so committed to Jameis Winston last year that they bent over backwards to start Taysom Hill multiple games. So I'm not buying that Sean Payton is all in on Jameis Winston. Now, maybe he believes that another year in that system and walking into training camp as the number one quarterback will bring out the best in Jameis Winston. Maybe putting him in offense with Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas is going to get the most out of Jameis Winston. But I'd really have to believe the Saints could be all in on Jimmy Garoppolo. He has experience. He's gone to a Super Bowl. He's coming off a season where he was a little bit banged up. The 49ers can't wait to get rid of him. And if you drop Jimmy Garoppolo into the NFC South, he's quarterback 1A in that division. 
Because I don't know where Matt Ryan goes from here. I don't know how much better Matt Ryan at this stage of his career is compared to Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo might have the better supporting cast. He certainly has the better offensive system. He certainly has the ability to push the ball vertically. And he has one of the top five wide receivers in the game to throw the football to. So the Saints are a team that I would absolutely keep an eye on in the Jimmy Garoppolo sweepstakes. And it's going to be really fascinating to see what the 49ers do with Garoppolo between now and the NFL draft kicking off at the end of this month. And we have some action-packed shows lined up for you over the next couple weeks to get you ready for the draft. And if you like what you hear, we would really love it if you would subscribe. Go to the Apple Podcast Store or in Spotify, search for Stacking the Box, an NFL podcast. Subscribe there and leave a five-star review for the Matt Lombardo Show. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. Let me know some guests that you might like to have on the podcast who you'd want to hear from because I'll try to go out and get them. We'll bring them on. We've had some great guests through the first four or five weeks of this podcast, and I'm certainly excited to expand it and you know bring on some more players and some more decision makers to get their insight for you guys, the listeners. So please subscribe to Stacking the Box on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Podcast. Leave a five-star review there for the Matt Lombardo Show, and you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Lombardo NFL. We're one step closer to the NFL draft. It'll be here before you know it. I can't wait to keep breaking it down. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Thanks to Dalton Reisner for dropping by. I'm Matt Lombardo. This has been the Matt Lombardo Show podcast presented by Fansided, inside Fansided Stacking the Box podcast feed. Enjoy your week, everybody. I will talk to you next week. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com.